This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com and the Radio.com app. Bobby Orr, behind the net to Sanderson. Orr! Bobby Orr! Orr! For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. Yeah. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prue. Yeah, he's a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him! And WEEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Oh, hey, Scott. Lace him up for some beast talk right now. I'm a damn It's the Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome into episode 75 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by... Scott McLaughlin, Bridget Prue, and our guest today is um, Mark Diver, who covers everything um, Boston Bruins, Providence Bruins, um, anything really hockey related, especially in the state, the great state of Rhode Island. Mark's got you covered. Um, actually, Mark, how are you first? I want to ask you a question about the Mount St. Charles tournament. When's that going to start back up again? Well, they had their big, uh, do you mean the high school tournament or the AAA midget? Well, so that's program. another thing, too, because now they're like a junior program type thing. But I'm at the high school tournament. Uh, well, it's off for this year, unfortunately. Oh, is um, it? It was, Christmas, it was Christmas week, and uh, for the second straight year, they had to cancel. Uh, so, that's you know, it was, uh, you know, we were only a couple days away from having it. And then all of a sudden, you know, everyone's uh, everyone's testing positive. So they had to pull the plug on it. That's it's too shame. bad. Yeah. Well, that tournament gave me bragging rights over one of my, my buddies in college because he played for the Mount, and we beat them up there uh, one of the years during a tournament. So, But, yeah, it's a great tournament, and I love that rink up uh, over in over in uh, Woonsocket yeah. there. So that's a shame, though, but hopefully next year. Anyway, yep. um, we'll stick to we'll stick to the Bruins. Sorry, Bridget. Sorry, Scott, for uh, for that. I said to ask that question. Oh, that's okay. My dad played there, and I think he may have even met my mom there. So At the Mount? At that rink. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there you go, bringing people together. Yeah. We can do the the worst New England hockey rinks discussion later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that got people fired up for sure. Yeah, um, Scott, you want you want to kick us off here? Sure. So, uh, I guess first first play we'll, we'll cover is uh, one who has come up to Boston and played pretty well here over the last couple of games, and that's Oscar Steen. And Mark, I saw. Uh, I think it was this most recent time he got called up. He had a tweet saying that. You know, in your opinion, Oscar Steen's an NHL player. He has nothing left to prove at the AHL level. What were you seeing from him with the Providence Bruins that led you to that conclusion? Well, I just saw a consistent uh, top player in that league, a guy who was uh, 
was effective just about every shift in all over the ice, not just um, offensively, although he's very good there, but in his own zone, uh, the whole, the whole nine yards, he, uh, he really um, come on, I think this year from a consistency standpoint um, and was effective, uh, you know, just game in and game out all around the puck all the time, making plays. Uh, you know, one of the things he, he really, uh, that happened in the American league and it, and it, a little bit in the NHL so far is he gets under the skin of guys on the other team and they end up one of his last games in Providence. There were two separate times when guys on the other team were literally chasing him around the ice because he had done something to, uh, to get them mad. Uh, he, he's a distract, he distracts the other team, um, you know, and, and you put all that together and I, I think, uh, you know, he's ready. And I think he's shown that the last few games in Boston, he's been very effective. So we've seen him with the Bruins playing on first their fourth line. And then the most recent game against New Jersey on Tuesday night, he moves up to the third line and scores his first NHL goal in a very creative manner, uh, poking <laughs> it up off the top of the net and off the back of the goalie. Um, he was asked you know, I think it was before Tuesday's game, you know, does he see himself as a player who can, you know, eventually move up into the top six? And, you know, he's not a player who lacks confidence. He said, yeah, I think I can. I think I have that offense in my game. What do you think, Mark? Do you think we're looking at a player who, you know, with more seasoning at the NHL level can become a, you know, top six or at least middle six kind of scoring winger? I think that's possible. Um, but I think he's more of a bottom six guy. Uh, he has a decent scoring touch, but, you know, he, he, uh, I wouldn't call it a great scoring touch. Um, you know, and I think, I think we've seen that in the NHL and in some of his games where he's had chances to bury and he has it, you know, for whatever reason, hit the post, the goalie makes a great save. He misses. I don't think he has, uh, I wouldn't call him an elite uh, offensive guy, um, but I think he can contribute. Uh, you know, I don't think he'll match that goal that he had last night, but I think he uh, he, he certainly can score. Um, but I think asking him to uh, to move up, uh, it, it's possible he could be okay on the second line in, in short doses. But in the long term, I think he's more of a third line, uh, bottom six type guy. Uh, Bruce Cassidy, Mark, said that Steen kind of reminds him a little bit um, of how Marshan, like, you know, was was a pest to play against, like you talked about when he first got called up in a fourth line role. Um, did you see, like, when when Marshan was in Providence, did you see that he had potential to be like a I want to say what he is today, but son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> uh, did did you see Marshan have a little bit more at the AHL level than what Steen shows at the AHL level, or is it tough to really compare? No, I'm, I'm not comparing their skill sets. I'm just saying like you know sometimes it's tough to tell um, at that level if it'll translate. Well, I didn't see. Marshy and the becoming the kind of player he, he he's become, and I I don't know anybody who who saw that except maybe uh, 
maybe Brad himself saw it. Uh, but there are similarities. Um, the thing is, uh, Steen is not the, you know, kind of boisterous, chirping personality that that Marshand is. You know, let's face it, who is, right? Uh, but, uh, you know, I actually, I was... I saw a picture recently of, uh, or I guess it was a video clip of um, Marshan feeding Vladimir Sabatka for a goal in Providence. And it reminded me that back then, myself and a lot of other people, I believe, thought that Sabatka would be the better player in the long run, you know. And, and he was a good player in the NHL for a while, but to nowhere near the extent that, that Marshan has been. Um, so when Marshy was coming up, he, I mean, he was, he agitated like no one I've ever seen. Uh, you know, you may have seen that clip on Twitter the other day of the, the guys at the red line in the East Coast League game going yeah. back and forth. Mm-hmm. Well, that was Marshy and every game in the American <laughs> Hockey League. You know, there would be like, you know, a near riot on a regular basis of him going back and forth across the red line at guys on the other team. So, uh you know, like I said, I, I didn't see uh, Marshan turning into one of the best players in the you know a top ten player in the league and one of the top one of the top players in the world. I, I did not see that. Um, and like I said, I think Brad may be the only one who did see that coming. And Steen, I, I don't think I think it's a stretch to uh, he has similarities, but you know, there's only one Brad Marshan. So with Nosek out, just got put on the COVID list. Uh, it looks like Frederick's going to take over as center for the fourth line, but if no sticks out for longer than two or three games, do you see there being a possibility or is it even a good idea to bring Sanika back into the lineup, you think? Is he ready to come back? I don't know if he's ready. He's been, as, uh, as Butch Cassidy mentioned recently, he's been in and out uh, from a consistency standpoint. I think that's a fair assessment. Um, you know, I think if, if you bring him back up, Stadnika, I think for him, you gotta, you gotta plug him in there and let him play and, and don't, don't pick apart every single shift, uh, which I think was happening when he was up there before. Um, you know, I think his confidence is not, is not necessarily in a good place right now. Because he's he's had opportunities, short opportunities. They haven't really worked out, and now he's in Providence. And you know, it, it uh, you know people in the media and and on social media, especially talking about him as you know he's a bust and this and that. I think the the luster is off um, him compared to where he was. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, he was such a good player in the American Hockey League. Last year, we had the. We had COVID. We had the taxi squad. He wasn't playing. He was playing. He was down in Providence. It just, uh, it, I think it threw him off his game, and he hasn't gotten back to a place where he, where he needs to be to be a real contributor at the NHL level. And that's what we were talking about before the season, and I know these guys remember the conversation was, you know, who made, who made the case for them to make the team out of training camp? And all three of us agreed that if you're going to put Stanika up, you can't just keep putting him in and out. And you've got to kind of let him settle in. And yep. the reasons, as you just explained, are the reasons why we said that they should have given him a longer stint. So 
it kind of seems like it, it backfired. Well, Mark, do you think, so when they did make that decision and sent him down to start the year and it was, you know, I think as much a numbers game as anything, other guys had one way contracts, he could go down without waivers. Um, but he had probably been one of their 12 best forwards in yes, pre, preseason training camp. Um, do you feel like that move alone, like kind of shot his confidence or did he come down to Providence with kind of the right mindset and then his game just, you know, wasn't in the right place? No, I think he came down with the right mindset. Um, you know, I he's a kid who, you know, just really loves uh, loves the game, works very hard at it, um, no matter what. Uh, you know, the bumps in the road uh, have not affected his work ethic or, you know, I'm not in the room, obviously, but I don't see... I don't see any hint of him sulking over the the way it's played out here or it's playing out. You know, I just think it's, he's a young, he's a young man uh, trying to find his way. And, uh, you know, I think uh, he, he just needs some, uh, a good stretch of games, uh, you know, maybe at the first at the American league level and then go up and, uh, and step in and hopefully be effective in a way that, uh, you know, wins the confidence of the coach that, you know, that's such an important thing is, you know, does the coach trust you? Um, and you know, if, if he had that, if, if that, if it played out that way, I, you know, maybe he'd be, he'd be off and running. Mark, I have a, uh, an itch I've been winning to scratch about somebody down in Providence and I've wanted to see them get a look in Boston, but it, it's, it's very much a numbers game. And, um, that's, uh, Jacob Lauco. Because I was yeah. I, I was seeing a uh, I saw a Frank Vetrano highlight recently um, at, a, at a Panthers game and I was like I was like when the, I forgot who the Bruins traded him for when they I knew it was like during the seventeen eighteen year but I was like you know he's a guy that could have helped this team scoring I was like who did they trade him for again and then it turned out it was for a third round and it turned into Lauko so and Lauko was twenty seven uh, I'm sorry twenty one Vetrano was twenty seven but if numbers weren't an issue. Right now, do you think he could be an NHL ready player? No. Okay. No. Resound I give a resounding no on Interesting. that. Interesting. Wow. So can you elaborate because we don't get the luxury of seeing him very much. Well, he has 3 goals. So he's on pace for like a 10 goal season. Hmm. Um he's not uh he's not consistent in any way. He's he has great shifts. Then he has games where you it's like, "Wait, did Laco play?" You know, he, he's just not uh, – he's, he's having kind of a tough season compared to his past uh, years um, down here. And, and in the past, his injuries have often derailed him down here. Um, and, you know, I'm not – I don't want to word this the wrong way, but, boy, he's down on the ice hurt an awful lot of times during the course of a season. And he gets helped off and you think, oh, geez, you know, that this is really bad. And he's out there the next shift. So I don't I don't know what uh, I don't know what that's about. The Paul, but, uh, the Paul I think everyone syndrome. Could, everyone could do without the drama, you know, just play the game. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you said he's, he's 21 years old. There's plenty of time for him to uh, to get by a contract and, uh, you know, kind of realize the potential that he, he appears to have 
Um, you know, so, and again, I brought it up with, uh, I, I mentioned it with Stanika, and I'll say it again with uh, Lauko. The whole pandemic and COVID and everything has affected some of these guys. I think the young guys too, especially in ways that we don't really know yet what, what's going on. How are they taking this? You know, I think, I think that's got a lot to do with, you know, inconsistent performance or lack of performance by some of these young players. The world is just such a screwy place right now that, uh, you know, like like the rest of us, they're trying to come to grips with all of that. Yeah, and they had that whole outbreak that happened in Providence then kind of transferred into Boston. Yeah. How have you seen them kind of get through that? They've, been, they've come back strong from that. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I think for a lot of these teams, the best thing that can happen is to have an outbreak and to go through it. And then you should be you should be good to go. As long as nobody gets really sick, that's what you don't want. Well, that's another thing about Studnika is I, my understanding is that he was pretty sick with uh, with COVID a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, you throw that in there too. Um, but, uh, you know, a team like Calgary that had everyone, you know, it seemed like the whole team was down with COVID. Now that that was a couple months ago. They're out of it now. And, and I haven't heard any COVID talk from Calgary recently. So, you know, I'm no doctor, obviously, but it seems like the best thing to, to do is to, if, if you're going to have it, have it and be done with it and then, and then move on. Well, the Bruins are almost done with it. Well, <laughs> they the, have, the what, Bruin, two players that didn't catch it, like but the, and Allmark. the Bruins are a good example though of how, you know, a team that you in theory should be done with it after um, so hopefully that's the case, you know what I mean? Because the Bruins did have the whole team pretty much go through it. So now if no second Pasternak get it, and then people start getting oh, it again, then, oh, <laughs> then we could be screwed. Well, yeah. somebody somebody down here pointed out to me the other day that uh, the worry is that, and I don't know who, who's had it, who hasn't had it, but that fi- they said that five defensemen in Boston have not had it. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's that's the one place where – yeah, it could still kind of wreak havoc on their roster. Yes. Yeah. yes. Well, Mark uh, and Scott, maybe you guys can throw the skates on if that's the case. <laughs> no, I'm I'm a, I'm a left wing. I think they already. I think all like, their left wings already got it. So, <laughs> um, uh, so one player I wanted to ask about who isn't as young uh, is Jesper Froden, who Bruins signed out of Sweden over the summer. Um, looked pretty good. Another guy who looked pretty good in training camp in preseason. He's 27 years old, so this isn't, you know, a young player developing. He's in the AHL more. Don't make me 27 year olds, okay? We're not old. <laughs> All right, Scott. Okay, Bridget. Okay. Um, so, so Froden, but, you know, so he's, he's really in the AHL. He's supposed to be getting used to the North American game and, you know, see where he's at and, can he be an NHL contributor, you know, how quickly? What, what have you seen from him? Is he some – because before the season, Bruce Cassidy said, you know, he thought maybe he's a player who could contribute at the NHL level at some point this season. Does he Does he look like someone who might be that close? I would say he looks like a guy who could contribute for a few games in a depth role. Um, you know, he's very skilled. He skates well. He sees the ice. All those things, a lot of the attributes you expect from – 
you know, a good European player. He he has those. The thing he isn't though, and that he he doesn't he doesn't he's a little light. Uh, you know, he's not a heavy player in any way, shape, or form. He's not, you know, winning battles on the boards to get pucks. You know, he's that's a challenge for him. He's not a big guy. He's not. That's just not his style. His his game is out in the middle of open ice, making plays. Um, so I don't know where he fits at the NHL level, uh, especially, you know, he's, he's, he's not a bottom six guy. He's not a third line, fourth line guy. That just isn't who he is. And to try and fit him into that mold, you know, I, I just don't think it's going to work. Uh, so like I said, I think he could fill in on a short-term basis and probably be do a decent job, but um, that's as far as I'm going to go on him. Yeah, to he circle was... back to what seems like an inevitable situation, if the Bruins defense, or maybe when the Bruins defensemen end up in COVID protocol, what's the situation like in Providence? We've seen Jack Sean, we've seen Bakkenine before, but there's a few other guys that have never had spent time in the NHL. What would the situation be like? for call-ups if, say, three Bruins defensemen went down with COVID? Well, uh, Jack Ashan has been their best defenseman. Uh, you know, that game he played against Tampa uh, a couple of weeks ago when he when he was called up, uh, you know, that really was an amazing game for him because he hadn't been on skates for seven days because Providence had been on lockdown. So he went from not playing, not skating at all, for seven straight days, he throws his skates on and goes out there against the Stanley Cup champions and, you know, showed all the things that Boston would like to think that he can be. Um, and that's the guy he is every night in the American League. He's that kind of, uh, you know, dynamic, uh, playmaking guy, always looking to make a play every time he has the puck. Uh, so he... If he could come up and uh, and match that, uh, or come close to matching it on on a regular basis, he'll be fine. Um, the guy who I think some people in the fan base, you know, I try not to listen to the fans that much, but uh, Erho Vakanainen, and a lot of people have written him off. Uh, but I I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't dismiss him just yet. He's been very very good lately. In, for Providence, uh, you know the thing with him is he's not. Whereas Ashan is, a, it has some dynamic parts to his game. Erho is the opposite of that. He's he's an efficient, low maintenance defenseman. Moves pucks, retrieves pucks. Uh, you know, not a not a top four guy. I don't think certainly not at this point. But he's been very good down here lately, just playing his game. Uh, you know, racking up the games. I don't know where what he's at now in the American League, 150 games. I mean, there used to be a benchmark that say a defenseman needs 200 games in the American League to uh, to really get where he, where he needs to be. Well, Erho's coming up on that. You know, if you could put any stock in that. I think he, uh, you know, if he got another chance, I know he hasn't looked great at times during previous recalls. Uh, but I, you know, I think he's uh, he's on the cusp. You know, a lot of people were writing off Zaboral a couple of years ago, and uh, you know, he 
he looked like he was really gaining some traction there before he got hurt. So maybe Urho, uh, you know, can can do the same thing. I think he'd be a. You could call him up and and use him. I think right now. Uh, beyond that, you know, I don't think Nick Wolf is is your guy. Um, and who else do they have on NHL contracts? I don't think they. Victor Berglund, a rookie over here, just came over and got hurt. He is. He's got some offensive game to him, but he is miles from NHL ready. Um, and I believe the rest of the crew is all guys on a, you know, veteran AHL guys uh, for the most part that would have to be signed to NHL contracts in order for them to come up. So I don't think they're really a, a, an option for those guys. Brady Lyle. Could... Oh yeah. Brady Lyle. Yeah, I forgot had, about him. He had a good training camp. How's he looked down there, Mark? He, he's had some, he ha- I would say last year was kind of a mirage. The, the league that he played in last year was not the American Hockey League. He was a very effective player in it. But he only played against two other teams, you know, for Providence. Mm. You know, that's not the American Hockey League. Now this year, it's, you know, all the teams are going full blast. And Brady has had trouble at times, at times. He's been a... There was a stretch of maybe three games where he was a healthy scratch. I mean, he's got work to do. He's, uh, you know, he's a decent prospect, but, uh, you know, I think I don't think he's close to where um, Ashan and Vakanainen are at this point. So could you call him up for a game and plug him in on the right side? Yeah, you might be able to get away with that. But, uh, you know, I don't think you'd want to put him in there, say, for a stretch of five, six games and think that, Whoever he, if he was replacing, say Connor Clifton, I don't. I think that would be a stretch. So, Mark, speaking of defense, um, and we were talking about this as you joined uh, joined us on Zoom earlier. So, Jacob Chikrin over in uh, Arizona, he's apparently uh, on the block, though there's no real time frame because he's on a good term, good deal, um, good value, all that stuff. But uh, the Coyotes. They, they suck, and they're probably looking to, I don't know, better their team somehow. With that said, from a prospect perspective, the Bruins won't wow Arizona uh, anymore. In fact, less than anybody else, pretty much. But because Chikrin's young, he's 23, younger than McAvoy. He's a potential top-pairing defenseman. He's 23, um, and he's, I think he's making like four, four, six a year. Like I think most rational fans would be okay parting with a first-round pick as part of a package because he's so young. But I saw that uh, a former Providence Bruins general manager works for the Coyotes now. So I'm trying to grasp at straws for like how the Bruins would be able to pull off a trade with Arizona because they don't really have the pieces better than any other team in the league does. They're not going to be able to pull off that trade. They don't have... They don't, unless they went to them and said, here are three number one draft picks and a couple of players. Even then, if you're Arizona, why would you do that? You've got a top, you've got, he's their Charlie McAvoy, right? right. Yeah. And he's under control, at, like you said, at an, an unbelievably affordable contract. That is one of the, that's one of the best contracts in the league for a guy of that caliber. Um and, you know, John Ferguson Jr., the guy you mentioned, the former Bruins uh, executive, you know, he knows the Bruins prospects inside and out. You're not going right. to pull, pull the wool over his eyes. 
you know, he yeah. knows all those guys. And, I know. you know, so. I guess I was just hoping I, uh, he and Don Sweeney got some chicken parms at Federal Hill a few times. And for old time's <laughs> sake, they would have. But, I mean, that that's why I'm surprised Chicken's name was even out there because for all the reasons you said. But that, that to me, Mark, like illustrates a bigger problem for the Bruins this year is like if they want to get that number two center or that top four defenseman, you know, what do they have that teams would be willing to part or, or, or you know, to, to take in to part with their assets to help the Bruins go on a run? Like that's that's the problem. Well, they, they do have picks. Uh, Them and everybody else, though. If you were uh, if you, you know, if you're an NHL GM and you look down the road, you could say, you know, uh, say the Bruins were offering three number one picks. I, I, you know, I don't think they would do that. I, I don't think that's not Don Sweeney's style. But if you were an NHL GM and you said, you know what, the Bruins are—they're going off a cliff here in the next couple of years. If I get three number ones from Boston, a couple of those picks could be top ten, maybe even top five, depending on what happens. You know. Bergeron retires, you know, who, who knows what uh, what's down the road. So I think yeah. picks is the only way. And even then, I think that's a, I think that's not likely to happen. Like I said, it's not Donnie's style to, to make a move like that. Well, Mark, Mark, what's, what's, what's Don going to do with three first round picks? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's not a fair. Uh, <laughs> that's not a fair comment. But uh, I'm just kidding. You know, they gotta they they gotta start getting these right. Yeah, they have to. Yeah. They have to. And they, so, you know, the Lysel pick. Everyone likes that. Uh, you know, Johnny Beecher. Eh, I don't honestly. I don't have a lot of hope for him as a as an impact guy at the NHL level. I, I just don't see it. You know. I think he's an he's going to be an NHL player, but he's not going to be in your top six. Uh, you know, I don't I don't see a, a scoring touch there. Uh, but, I mean, is he know. even is he even in Michigan's top six? Because I mean, they have so many top top end draft picks. Like, if he's not in their top six, how's he going to be in the well, Bruins' top six? I think he's kind of a middle six guy with them, depending on who they have on a given night. Yeah, uh, hmm. but. Yeah, he's played. He's played like a little third line center, and then at times he'll move over to the wing. I think he's been on the wing yeah. in their second line at times. So, um, I think maybe a topic that we can we can close this out on is while we're on the topic of maybe first round picks that haven't worked out particularly well. Mark, you had the story this uh, last week, week and a half ago, that Zach Sanishin has uh, asked to be traded, has requested a trade from the Bruins. Um, we know he's he's an ultimate captain down there in Providence. He's, you know, been he's been around for a while. He's gotten a couple shots at the NHL level and hasn't been able to stick for one reason or another. There's been injuries at times. What uh, what did you think when you found out that he had requested a trade? And um, what do you see from him at this point in his uh, AHL career? Well, uh, you know, that was an interesting. Uh, scenario there. His, his agent reached out to me. They wanted to get that news out there so that everyone knew. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure teams knew, but they they wanted it for for whatever reason. They wanted it out there in the media and, and so forth. Uh, so I was more than happy to play along. Uh, but uh, you know, I think at this point, Zach is he's frustrated. This is his fifth season in Providence. 
he just feels like, you know, it's not happening for him with Boston and it's time to go somewhere else and, and give it a try. Um, and, you know, I've said this, uh, I've said this right along. I, I think in the right situation, he's an NHL player. There, there are guys in the, in the league that aren't as good as him. You know, maybe he's not an NHL player on for Boston, but on another team, he'd be fine in a bottom six, maybe a fourth line fit. Um, you know, the, the, the 15th overall pick, you know, that's not his fault. He's carrying that around with him, and he always will. But uh, that's not, you know, that's not uh, anything he had control over. So that's I think funny. he's... Sorry, um, keep going. No, go ahead. Um, that's funny. We had my friend Anthony from Bruins Network, Anthony Kwiatkowski, on, and he had a very similar opinion to you that, you know, from a Boston perspective, it seems like Seneshin doesn't really have much to offer the Bruins, but he had a lot of high praise for him still. Well, you know, the thing about Zach is, uh, you know, and this doesn't have anything to do with really his play, but you won't meet a better kid than him or, or someone who he hasn't sulked for one second throughout the five years, uh, you know, at practice or during games or, or anything like that. He, he goes out there every every time and, and tries his best, um, which, you know, I admire him for that because it would have been easy to just uh, to really, uh, you know, go the other way on it. And uh, he has not done that. So I think he deserves a chance someplace. And people will point out the fact that, well, he's on waivers every year and no one ever takes him. Well, that doesn't that doesn't mean they couldn't trade him someplace or, you know, a player who might be in a similar spot as him, someone who maybe has a, you know, he's, a, he's at a base level contract, um, you know, just trade a contract for a contract. Maybe you get something that helps you and, 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 and maybe he can go to a new place and, and start fresh. I, I think that's all he's looking for. He's not looking you know, he doesn't care what they get in return or if they get anything. He just wants another chance someplace. And, I, you know, I'd like to see him get it uh, at some point. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at um, – oh, I think something's about to ding soon. I just got another text. Um, you look at some of the players that – you're right, Mark. Like last night, um, the, the, the Gearston kid or whatever for New Jersey or, or whatever. Like every, every night you see the Bruins play, there's a fourth line of that, you know, Pound for pound, Seneshin is probably better than it, but it all comes down yeah. to fit and, and opportunity and this and that. So, um, yeah, it's unfortunate. Do you have a Do you have a pulse? Um, one last one for me. Do you have a pulse on the De, uh, the DeBrusque situation? Do you think? I mean, quite frankly, up until he went on the COVID list, he was you know a very good forward for them in the, in the last handful of games, and you know if he's healthy, um, he can still help them win. So it's kind of a fine line, but. You know, do you, there it is. Do you think? Um, do you think his value uh, has increased since the start of this season? No, I don't think it has. Uh, unfortunately, um, you know, some someone in the game mentioned recently to me that, and I, you know, I this is not a stat I had looked at, but Zach has sixteen playoff goals, I believe. A guy with sixteen playoff goals. Geez, you know, they didn't give him, they they haven't given him a whole lot of rope 
when uh, sitting him out last year and and and, and earlier, um, you know, that's pretty good production for a player. There's a lot of you know, Nick Ritchie, uh, you know, they didn't. I I, just, I guess what I'm getting at is I think Jake deserved more rope than he got. Uh, you know, now that he's in the lineup, they they need him now. Good for him. I, he's playing well. The puck's not really going in for him, but uh, you know, I, I I think his value is is uh, is lower than it was because of all the things that he's gone through. Yeah. So to expect him to jump in there and you know go on a hot streak, I don't know. That's a big ask given what's transpired with him. Mm-hmm. So getting value for him, I think, will be difficult. Be interesting to follow. I mean, the 16 playoff goals is no slouch for a team that uh, might want to acquire him for you know for postseason depth. But no, you're not. Well, I mean, you look wrong. at. I I go back to that goal he scored. I think it was in the seventh game against Toronto. That rink yep. laying rush, where he crashed into the boards at the end of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was an unbelievable goal. You yep. know, that's what he's capable of. Uh, now that was that was three years ago. So you know. You got that to consider too, but um, well, and in the bubble, he had a great one against Carolina too, where he yeah, yeah, you're right, yes, yeah. sp- split two D, ends up flying through the air and finishes. Yeah. Well, the Bruins' three game winning streak they're currently on started from a similar play that Mark just talked about the 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 the, the, the Nick Foligno goal against Buffalo. I mean, same same essence, right? He he's moving his feet and then he takes the puck to the net. And you yep. know, for for people like us who watch the team, um, you know, on a gamely basis for you know for years, and especially his whole career, like that's what he's capable of doing. Um, so whether it's whether it's him just not wanting to play for uh, for Bruce, whether it's conscious or not, like it's just a bad situation. But uh, not getting the proper value for the player is going to be tough to swallow for for anybody that that um, covers the roots for the team. Yeah, and you look at some of the guys that have left. Uh, I don't think there's anyone with the pedigree of, of uh, Jake DeBrus, but you know, you mentioned Vetrano earlier. He's he's a you know he's certainly a serviceable NHL player. Danton Heinen is having a great year. Uh, you know, Riley Smith is kind of in a different category than those guys, but you know, geez, that that trade doesn't look very good. Uh, so you want to get you want to make sure you get full value for Jake and uh, that that could be tough to uh, to come by at this point. Uh Bridget Scott you guys have anything else before we uh before his dinner gets cold? Uh, th- I think we're good. Thanks yeah. a lot Mark. Thank Thanks, you Mark. Mark, we appreciate oh, it. Oh, thank you anytime. Happy to do it. All right, welcome back and a huge thanks to Mark Diver for joining us and I would be remiss if I didn't shout out where you could see Mark's work. Uh, he contributes to the New England Hockey Journal, uh, as well as NHL.com, and RinksideRhodeIsland.com is his website. Scott, yes, his his own personal blog, lots of Providence Bruins stuff on there, and uh, follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Diver, two V's and Diver. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just at everything Providence Bruins and Rhode Island hockey in general. So uh, what was you guys' biggest takeaway from that conversation? We learned a lot about some of the you know, prospects down there that potentially could have been 
uh, Bruins to start this year or still could be at certain points? Um, what what jumped out to you guys in that combo? Well, I think the the Stanika stuff um, kind of confirming, I think, what a lot of us suspect based on, you know, if you look at Stanika's numbers in Providence this year, they're, they're okay. Uh, I think he has um, – I just had it up, but – He's like fourth on the team in points per game. He's well below where he was two years ago with the Providence Bruins um, when he was one of the top offensive players in the whole AHL. Uh, and, you know, the fact that, like, Stanika doesn't – it doesn't seem like he's been near the top of the call-up list. Obviously, Steen got ahead of him. And, you know, part of that's position. Steen's more comfortable on the wing. But part of it is also that Steen has just been better at, in Providence this year. And, you know, talking to Mark, it's kind of what, what you thought might be going on with Stanika is, you know, his game just isn't really where it needs to be. He's maybe not as confident as, as he's been in the past. And he's kind of trying to find his way and, and battle through it. And it, right now at this moment is not someone who's pushing for an NHL job. Like, I, you know, I saw – I saw some people when the Bruins did this latest line shuffle um, coming out of the break and you get Eric Hall at second line center. Now, you know, look, I don't think any of us think that Eric Hall is a bona fide second line center. You put him between Hall and Posnock and, you know, maybe he can hold his own. And so far he has, we'll see, you know, if that continues, but I saw some people saying like, why not try Stanika there? You know what? Like you really think Hall is going to be better between those two guys than, Stanika could be, and it's like, okay, well, if you're saying that, like, are you seeing Stanika in Providence? You know, because the Bruins are, and obviously they don't think he's ready to come up even in such a gravy position between those two wings. And talking to Mark, he basically said, like, yeah, he's probably not really ready to contribute to the Bruins with where his game is at right now. Um, that so that, that was kind of my take, big takeaway. Yeah, that should kind of inform those people who are saying, well, why Howla? Well, he's Mark's down there. He's watching all the time, and he's telling you right now, no, he's not ready. Um, and a few of the details uh, that he gave us, you know, I didn't necessarily know. I'm sure a lot of people didn't. The fact that Zanika maybe was sicker than um, some guys were when they caught COVID um, could factor into the inconsistencies and the whole, um, you know, young players not necessarily – getting to live a normal life and being affected by COVID in a mental way, which we saw with Jake DeBrusque. And it definitely is, it's a real thing. Like, so there's no way to gauge that um, by any sort of uh, barometer, but you could see that those things all have played a factor and his confidence level, they said his effort is still there, but the confidence level dropping from those things, plus having such an inconsistent time with Boston and if he doesn't feel like Cassidy was, you know, assessing him or, or nitpicking him in in the right way, that could that could have done it too. It's kind of what we were hearing uh, when we were having our podcast to start the season of who should be called up and and what the best situation would be for Stanika. Yeah, I mean, I was I was really um, calling for Stanika's number to be called, as you guys uh, are aware. And then that game um, down on Long Island happened where the Bruins had so many guys out that they called up a bunch of guys, Stanika being one of them. 
and he did uh, he did absolutely nothing. Now, the only thing left to see right now, uh, short term, would what Scott said would be to see him between Hall and Pasternak, uh, because that Islanders game he was I don't know he was centering some makeshift fourth line caliber type thing, but to what Scott said. Um, I think Halla is harder on the puck at the NHL level than Stanika would be between Hall and Pasternak. So, um, like the, Eric Halla has been doing a you know a ton of little plays that wouldn't necessarily be noticed by the casual viewer the last few games. Um, that's helped keep plays alive in the offensive zone. Um, so I think if you had Stanika between Hall and Pasternak right now instead of Halla you might not get those plays extended or those one-on-one battles won. Um, to Halla's credit, he's been doing that. And um, maybe Halla needed to be playing with some better players too because when he was in Vegas during that cup run, um, I believe he was in a, a second-line center role for, for a first-year expansion team. And if it wasn't second line, it may have been third line. But that was the year he put up close to 30 goals. He was playing with... Um, it wasn't Marshall because he was with Carlson and Smith, but he had some good line mates and maybe Pacioretty at one point. So I guess uh, Sonika hasn't helped his cause uh, or his case really, and uh, it might be a little bit of time before we see him again, especially in a top six opportunity. I mean, obviously injuries and COVID are still going to be a thing this year, so maybe that's the best chance he has. But for right now, he 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 didn't he he hasn't been the same player he was in camp, and for whatever reason. Uh, ultimately, it comes down to him. You can be pissed off, discouraged, whatever, but you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be a professional at the uh, and show Bruce Cassidy to. You gotta force him to keep keep you in Boston. Yeah, and I don't see his call up, his well, another call up for him coming very soon because now that no six on the COVID list, every single regular Bruins center has already had COVID. So you know, <laughs> lose a center from the lineup from that, it would have to be injury it's not just going to be one of these COVID call-ups so he doesn't have an easy way in right now especially since pretty much every player on the Bruins fourth line can play center uh Frederick Nosek and Lazar are all centers as well so he has to fight through all those guys in order to get his way back into the lineup and I barring an injury don't think he'll be back soon no I agree and you know we'll see if there's a situation where they need him because I feel like even that Islanders call up that that wasn't like Stanika, you know, forcing his way in. That was they just literally needed any bodies because they had so many guys on the COVID list at that point. And now they have uh as of Wednesday when they where we're recording this, they have three more forwards on COVID. Kuhlman should be off soon. I think Kuhlman could be off as early as Thursday. Um, and DeBrus could be off by the weekend. So it, it's kind of run through all their forwards. There shouldn't be a, a major outbreak up front. As we mentioned, it, it could still happen on defense where they've only had Carlo. And is it just Carlo on the back end that's had it? E- either way, there's a bunch of defensemen who have not had COVID this season. So um, you could see something there. Obviously, you hope not, but. Um, you know, up front, they shouldn't need to, they shouldn't be in a position where they need to call up like three guys anytime soon. So, 
Uh, the other thing I'm worried about is, for COVID is uh, Linus Olmark. And I don't know, we don't really know. Has Tuca had like this strain of COVID? Has, is he, <laughs> has, has it already gone through him? We don't know. And, and that's Yeah, we don't know anything about, about Tuca because they, they haven't had to report anything, obviously, oh. since he doesn't have a contract. Uh, do they um, test him the same way either? He still he still gets tested because he goes into the Bruins facility, um, and he has while they've been in the facility he hasn't had any prolonged absences. So there's nothing where it's like, hey, where's Tuka been the last ten days? You know, like that hasn't happened. So he's been around. My guess would be he hasn't had it unless it was even you know earlier in the fall or something. Um, but yeah, to your point, Olmark hasn't. So that would be you know another area to keep an eye on and. Another reason why bringing Rask back makes so much sense because, you know, you have so many games over these next four months before the end of the regular season. Like, even if you, even if you send Swayman down, which is probably what's going to happen, you know, he might need to be back at some point. Like, whether it is a COVID situation or an injury or or whatever, like, there's a really good chance that you're going to need a third goalie at some point. And if you know, if you don't bring Rask back, then the next man up would be Kyle Kaiser, who has not played in an NHL game yet. So, uh, you know, who knows if what you'd really have there and whether he'd be ready to split time for, I don't know, even like a two-week stretch. Like, you know, just haven't seen him at this level. Yeah, their depth at goalie is such a good thing, but it's bringing us to a situation that we didn't want to see, which was Swayman going back down to Providence. Um and it remains to be seen whether or not he's going to be the goalie that better helps them uh, stay in their top two. Like, who's the who's the guy that would be normally be out? Well, it always has to be Swayman because of the way the contracts work out. So even if he is in your top two goalies, he has to go down. And that's just a situation that, um, you know, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. You have great depth, but then you have to compromise the growth of who could be your franchise goalie for a long time. So, uh, knock on wood, I, I, I do believe that I just figured a way to, to mute um, that dinging sound on, on messages. So, we should be good for, for here on out. Um, yeah, and I, I'm having my own issue over here. Bridget is getting attacked by cats. <laughs> my cat is really jealous because uh, we just got a puppy a few days ago, and he is wanting a lot of attention right now, and he already bit me once. I don't know if you saw that. Um, so, Xerxes is um, on camera. So. <laughs> Um, if, if people, if listeners haven't figured this out by now, we're we're recording remotely today. We are not yeah. in studio like we usually are. So, For good uh, yeah, there's <laughs> there's pet situation. Bridget's getting attacked by cats. She's got a brand new puppy who, uh, so far, has not interfered with the podcast. We we all met not him before. Yet. Wait till wait till the puppy <laughs> sees the cat and they fight over who gets pets. And then <laughs> I I have a, a year old puppy who. Uh, you know, I think if uh, if we got a puppy barking on on the podcast, that would uh, wake him up, and then we have a whole situation going. But and, and Scott's puppy is Russian. He said uh, he said he might yeah, be able to help out good, at second line center if, if need be. Yeah, good good hockey genes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have a dog, so if you hear any barking on my end, that's just me. Um, <laughs> so uh, Bruins had two weeks off, I think, whatever it was, and then they come the back. Damn cat bit me. <laughs> Oh boy, that's not oh. good. Well, we'll have to get the uh, 
Donnie Donagro to uh, make sure you're okay over there. Um, yeah, Bridget day to day. Yeah. So the Bruins come back. They've won the last three games um, since since the break. They're undefeated this year. Will they lose again? Probably not. Um, but it's in large part because for, you know, um, I don't know, the first time in what seems like forever, they finally made some sense and uh, balanced out their lines, which I've only been fuck. I'm not, well, I could swear, but I'm not going to, I don't need to get heated right now, but I've been saying it for, for the entire season, just about even dating back to the playoffs last year. Like even when the perfection line is clicking, you're still one dimensional because there's nothing after them. Well, now this year, Pashnak has had a very slow season for, you know, justified reasons, but he has. And so it was even worse. Now they get Pashnak and Hall together. You get that combination jumping over the boards, and you get Bergeron and Martian jumping over the boards. And Craig Smith has really played well on that top line. He's a sandpaper guy, and that line's clicked. And then Pashnak and Hall have played well together um, for the most part. Hall has looked good with them. Coils back down in the third line, and the fourth line has been probably their best line um, the last few games with with Frederick Nosek and Lazar. So everything's just kind of going well. And you know, is this is this Stanley Cup caliber balanced scoring and depth? No, but it's a hell of a lot better than it was before, and now they have something. Yeah, and and a big part of this equation is that the combination of Bergeron and Marchand, and we've known this for a decade now, can lift up just about anyone you put next to them. And Craig Smith being a good fit there. Like the, those two things go hand in hand because you can't, yes, Marchand and Bergeron can lift up just about anyone, but they're still, they're not going to be a, a, as effective if that right wing isn't a good fit with them. And Craig Smith, I think, is. I think he's the, a similar kind of player as them in terms of like just being relentless on second effort on the four check just like a, a play's never dead that he never gives up on a play and that's that line's calling card and that's probably the one you know obviously possibly to smith is a downgrade in terms of skill and just you know just straight up skill level but i, I think smith actually like kind of brings a little bit more of that kind of second effort and just relentlessness on pox and that works with, with Martian and Bergeron. So like the fact that you're now they haven't scored a ton. So, you know, I don't want to like act like it's been an incredible fit for those three so far, but they, they've looked pretty good together. Like that, that line has done well. They've had possession. They've created chances. And I think that's kind of where it has to start is like, you can't have your top line take such a big step back when you move Pasternak that now, you know, now maybe you don't have any lines going, right? Like that, that'd be worst case scenario. So the fact that Smith can slide up there, like you still feel like that's a line that can be a top line allows you to do this. And then now you see, you know, hope Pasternak and Hall with hollow between them for now. Like I said earlier, we'll, we'll see how long that lasts. I'm not, sold on that being like a long-term thing that's going to, you know, carry them through the rest of the season. But I do like the idea of Pasternak and Hall being together because they've shown some flashes. They have the speed to complement each other. Um, Tuesday night against the Devils, they had more possession and more cycling game, which is something that Cassidy talked about as, you know, yeah, we know they'll be good off the rush, right? Like that's 
all of those guys' strength. What's, you know, what they'll have to do is be able to get second, third, fourth chances in the offensive zone. And, and we saw that Tuesday night, you know, on Parsonak's winning goal that comes after he twice wins board battles to keep plays alive and keep possession alive. So, you know, if they're doing that, then, then you have the makings of, of what could be a pretty good second line. Yeah, and, and, you know, Smith's not going to drag that first line down. That would be a stretch to say that. And so I guess the real question is, can the second line be effective with Pasenak and Hall and Howla? And, I mean, that was just a great individual effort by Pasenak, not that, you know, other people weren't involved. It was actually supposed to be Hall. Hall took a shot. He either banned on it or a stiff stick got lifted. Puck went nowhere. Pasenak grabs it, you know, drives, drives to the net, uh, makes that play for himself. I think being on the second line gives Poshnok the opportunity to know that he's the most, like, I wouldn't say, he thinks this on the first line too, probably, but he's the most leap for on that line. Maybe gives him a little bit more of a shot mentality, maybe just changes the, his mentality of how he wants to play. And the chemistry has been, it's been decent. Um, the only person that hasn't had a goal from the Bruins forwards in the past three games on this win streak since the long COVID break uh, is Marshawn. So yeah. not not that that's not going to come. That that will come. I just think it's funny that the depth scoring has really, um, where it has been lacking for most of the season. You start to see, it, especially that fourth line. And I know something, Brian, you talked about, and you know, it, it's something we brought up in multiple episodes is the way that the bottom six forwards are for the Bruins. Could they make the playoffs? Yes, with the team they have, but it would need to be more production from the bottom six in order to be a true playoff contender. And I don't know, Brian, did you see a flash of that? Like what could, what they could be if that's the kind of production and effort you get from those uh, bottom six players on a playoff run? Yeah. Uh, You you might not like my answer. I mean, it definitely makes them a playoff team. Um, No, they're a playoff team. We're talking, we're like, we're talking about a team that has enough to make a run. Well, anything's possible. I mean, I would say that the the Canadians made a run last year without, you know, bona fide pieces in place. Um, I find it hard to believe that they can win two, let alone three rounds in the playoffs with the current um, personnel they have on defense and not having that true top six center. But I mean, those again, they're only those two pieces away. Doesn't have to be Jacob Chikrin. Doesn't have to be, you know, JT Miller. It, they have to be upgrades of what they have right now, though. And I just don't know how they're gonna get those pieces, unless you're willing to give away multiple draft picks, and maybe they will. But based off our conversation with Mark earlier and what we already know about their prospect pool, it's not that great. Like. I don't even know if like an AHL team would want some of the Bruins NHL players. So, um, obviously, I'm being you know facetious there, but like they just don't have much to offer that other teams like don't have. Everybody has pro, uh, pool, um, draft picks to give away, but every other team has better better prospects for the most part. So, um, if they play to the ceiling, if this current roster plays to their ceiling, I can see them winning a round, and I can see them giving somebody a run in the second. I don't see a conference finals, and I certainly don't see a Stanley Cup finals. But the season is still young, and there's so much to figure out still. But obviously, what the way they're playing right now is, uh, you know, far more encouraging than it was, you know, just last time we recorded. 
Yeah, and, and worth noting here that these three wins have been over Buffalo, Detroit, New Jersey. Right. You know, three non-playoff teams. Um, we're going to find out more about them these next three games where they've got Minnesota at home on Thursday night and then road games in Tampa and Washington. So, you know, there's three of the best teams in the league. Like, this is this is going to be a great test for them. Um, you know, even whatever, like, record they come out of it with is almost – secondary to just how do they play like are they competitive with these teams are these close games where you feel like you know if we're if we're here next week and we're talking about um hey the the Bruins were right there they were skating with these teams they were playing with them you know maybe they've won one and lost two but they've all been close and they've been there like I I would feel pretty encouraged if they show you know because we kind of felt this way when they went out to Western Canada, right? When they uh, beat Calgary and Edmonton and you think, oh, you know, that's that's pretty good. That's encouraging. Now, Edmonton has just completely fallen off a cliff since then, so that doesn't look as great in retrospect. Um, but this is, this is a good test coming up. And, you know, you just want to see them look like they belong in the ice with these teams. Um, if we're sitting here next week and they, they went – 0-3 and, and, you know, there's multi-goal losses and they weren't particularly close, then uh, all this positivity that has built up over these first three games after break is obviously completely gone. Um, so this is going to be very interesting. I mean, I think they absolutely should show that at the least, Scott, because we saw them play Tampa last month when they had no McAvoy, no Marsh, and now they had no points in Kucherov, um, but they had their whole decor, Tampa did that game and the Bruins outplayed them up and down the ice. They just lost in overtime. And then, um, you know, the Capitals, you're talking about a team that, you know, add David Krejci to this current roster, you know, it's pretty much the, the Bruins team that beat them in six. Cause the Capitals don't have much turnover from last five. year. It was, was it five? Yeah. Five yeah, yeah. five. yeah. So the Capitals have pretty much the same team as last year. The Bruins don't have Rass. They don't have Krejci, but like for the most part, you know, it's, your bottom six sucked last year anyway, so it's not like saying they have Felino over so-and-so. Is any, it's the same thing. So they should show that they belong. Um, as I think about it out loud, guys, honestly, because I did just mention Rask's name, and it's it's a matter of when, not if, with him, that he comes back to the Bruins. You know, I, I can't help but think that the the best asset the Bruins may be able to use, and I've, I've mentioned it before, but it the best asset they may ha- they may have to give a team is is Jeremy Swayman in a trade because if you if if it's a trade deadline and you have a team that's that's selling and they have no goalie going forward that they're comfortable with he could be somebody that you could you could shop because if if you have Allmark for 5 years and a Rask is a year to year thing or you could, I guess you could do the opposite and get rid of Allmark and keep Swayman but it would just depend on what teams would be willing to bite on um because outside yeah, I, of that, I, I, wouldn't, I don't know. I wouldn't completely rule out the idea of trading Allmark. Now, I don't know if you're getting a ton in return because he has a pretty big contract too. Well, he has to wait it too. He, he has a no movement yeah, clause. Exactly. But there, like one one team specifically that, that I just mentioned, Edmonton, is a team that has just gotten horrendous goaltending. And if they're going to do – and they're clearly a team that thinks that they're built to win now – whether they actually are, I, I'm not convinced, um, but definitely needs to address goaltending. It's like, I don't know, you know, 
could Allmark be an option there? You know, would he be interested in going there given uh, that team that would be in front of him? But, you know, I, I don't think it's likely. I don't expect Allmark to get traded. But I think, you know, maybe a month or two ago, I would have said, no, nah, I really don't see that happening. Like, you know, who's going to take who's going to take on the rest of that contract? He has he wasn't playing great. Um, he's been playing better and there could be teams that are pretty desperate for goaltending. So, you know, it's it's at least something to keep in mind. Like I said, I, I don't think it's likely, but it, it could be on the table. What about Swayman? My thoughts on that are, yeah, my thought my thoughts on that are I I Swayman is a huge asset and that's why I really hope they just they don't, you know, jump the gun and try to stock up for what one year and then they don't have they don't have him for however long he could be with the team um as potentially their number one goalie i think that that's way premature to deal him he's a he's a big asset yeah that might be the only person that um you're able to deal to actually get something in return but um in terms of trading allmark if he were to go to a team like the oilers what are you looking to get back from them uh, you know, you're probably not, well, I know you could get an NHL forward, but it's probably not going to be, it's not going to be your second line center. Like it, that's, you're not getting that player. Yeah. Um, but it could even be a move that, you know, gets you an asset to swing, swing another trade or, you know, obviously it'd free up some cap space that you could use to make another trade. So even if it's not, you know, we're trading all Mark and this move, in and of itself is improving our team, you know, maybe you're making it with an eye towards another move that you're going to swing. Um, that would be, that'd be my thinking. Well, and, and look, I'm not, I'm not sitting here like just saying I want the Bruins to, to trade swim. And it's not, it's not the case. It's just that when you look at what they would have to give up to, to optimize this Patrice Bergeron window. Okay. Which for all we know could just be this year, maybe next, but Unless the Bruins are willing to part with one first-round pick at least, um, Fabian Lysel, Mason Lorai, right? Those are your top three prospects, right? So if you don't want to part with those guys to, to, to possibly win a cup when, let's be honest, it's your only realistic chance to probably win for the next you know, decade is while you have Bergeron, then what do teams want? Jeremy Swayman. So that's why I wouldn't say Edmonton because they're not they won't be a seller. Like it would have to be a seller. And and you know, as I think about it, the second Patrice Bergeron retires and the Bruins no longer have that that um that ceiling anymore of being a cup contender, maybe not even a playoff team, does it really matter if you have a good goalie in that at that point? If if let's call let's chalk them up to the rebuild years. Do you really want to keep a good goalie during a rebuild year, any rebuild phase, anyway. Is that is that important? Well, I think it is because I, I don't, I don't think the Bruins are going to look at it as a total teardown, and mm-hmm. that may be right or wrong, but they're not going to go. Um, you know, they're not going to say, "Oh, we have you know five year plan to get back to you know contender status." When you have Charlie McAvoy and David Postnock through the primes of their careers. So I don't know how they'll be able to do it without, you know, clear number one or even maybe number two center in your system. They won't. But what they could do is say, well, Swain is our goalie and he's cheap for a few more years. And maybe you can turn around and spend money on a number one, number two center 
instead of now, you know, do you have to, if you trade Swayman, now do you have to spend money on your top, your top six, six center and a goalie? And, you know, yeah, now, now you're. His contract is, is so friendly right now. Like, right. There's no rush to get rid of it. Um, and I don't, I like a perfect comparison, but it is harder to find a goalie prospect and develop a goalie prospect. And since they kind of already see what they have and um, that he's a decent prospect, it, it's not the same comparison to when you lose your quarterback and you need to try to draft another quarterback and, and you know, uh, develop another quarterback. But it's, if you're going to have a position that you need to really, you know, nail and you, if you want a contract that's, you know, a rookie contract or uh, a minimum contract, you know, not anything less than what they're paying Omar. Um, yeah, I just don't, I just think that they already have who they're looking for in that situation. And I look at it differently probably because I think goaltending is very important. Um, so I, I would say that that's too big of a risk for them. And it is, like I said, hard to, pick the right goalie in the draft um and in this in that situation if you're if you're not able to do that then you do have to go back out and spend more money and bring in another goalie from somewhere else so to me it just doesn't make sense i I just to what scott said like i i understand what you're talking about scott like there's no way the bruins look at their team when bergeron leaves and says well why even bother right but the fact of the matter is this when Bergeron leaves, again, this is without knowing, you know, future deals in the, in the next year or two. I don't know. We'll see what happens if they, if they can somehow get collapsed. But look, they'd have to be sellers, honestly, at a deadline to, to get some stuff. But um, yes, they could, they'll have Patri- um, Charlie McAvoy and David Pashnak. No, they won't have anybody in line to replace uh, Bergeron and Crazy from last year as your top two centers. Because you don't currently have them in the system. You won't get those at the draft with their current positioning. So they would have to be a tanker or, or, or somehow finish in the bottom of the league. And um, the other way, like you said, would be to pay for it Okay, via free agency. The hard truth of the matter is you're not seeing number one or number two centers, for that matter, available in free agency this day and age. If you do... Hold on tight to them because it's not very common, and I just don't. I, I think the Bruins would be fools to um, expect that would be their solve. The fact of the matter, guys, we hate to admit this, is that once Bergeron leaves, retires, whatever, they are going to have to suck whether they want to or not to re, to, to get back to where they want to be. It's just it's how the sport goes. Otherwise, you're gonna sit in, in in mediocrity forever, and that's not how you win a cup either. So. The harsh reality is that, yes, David Pashnak and Charlie McAvoy's prime years, barring anything crazy, very well may be wasted in Boston and might wind up losing Pashnak because of it. I'm, but I'm just, that's kind of the truth of the matter, unfortunately. It's the situation well, they've gotten themselves fans, in. Boston sports fans will not accept that, Brian. Everybody knows that. They don't have a <laughs> the choice. Patriots sent, <laughs> the Patriots set too high of a standard for how quick a rebuild should be or whether or not yeah. it even was a, it's a rebuild. Different, but every, it's a different sport. It's a different league. You cannot win a, a different na- coach. You cannot win in the National Hockey League without t- without a number one and number two center. And they, they don't have a number two center as we speak. They will not have a number one and number two center the second Bergeron leaves. If that's the case, you aren't winning anything. I don't care how many Charlie McAvoy's you have in your blue line or how many Jeremy Swayman's you have in goal. 
It's 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 unless they pull off some magic, you know. But that's why you wait and see, I guess. But that's just me thinking aloud here in twenty twenty two, Scott. Scotty M. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's a depressing thought for sure. What you know? What the <laughs> future is going to be once 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 Bergeron retires? And they're like, well, um, blah, blah, but that's blah. why it's so important on going for it when they can, Scott. Yeah, and that's right. why I bring so, swing. Yeah, so let's bring it bring it back to this year. So, have you guys? So I know you know we tend to touch on the standings every episode, but it's been a little bit. I feel like the Eastern Conference eight playoff teams are already set. Like, I, I know there's 50-whatever games left, but, my God, like, look at look at the standing. It's like, there is... There is such a gap between the top eight and everyone else in the East. Like, the Bruins right now are eighth uh, with a 621 points percentage. And the next team after that is Detroit, who they just beat, who stinks, at 515. Uh, all the Bruins have the worst have the worst goal differential of the eight playoff teams. They're plus nine. Every team below them that's out of the playoff picture is at least a minus eleven. Like it is just a clean split between the top eight in the East and the bottom eight in the East. So, barring something completely catastrophic, Bruins are a playoff team. Like, like I I'm getting to the point where. I almost feel like it's not even like worth debating whether they could follow because all these teams below them stink. And like, we've been waiting for, Oh, will the Islanders turn it around at some point? And I don't know they've won a couple games here recently, but they, they dug themselves such a hole that like, it would have to be a really like almost blues in 2019, like kind of run for them to go on. Um, and I'm just not, you know, you there's no way to predict a team doing that, so yeah, so right I won't. Now the, yeah, no, they're they're too far. Well, yeah. they're not. They're they're. It looks like they might be too far out of it at this point. But to Scott's point, I'm just looking at some of the numbers uh, for the standings, and there's no like team that's like plus one or minus two. It's like these drastic numbers in goal differential. Um, I mean, Carolina's plus forty. Uh, Montreal's minus fifty. Um, and most of the ones in between, there's not single digits. Uh, the only team with a single digit um, t- uh, goal differential is the Bruins. Like you mentioned, that plus nine. Everybody else is either way plus or way minus. Um, and he's right. I, it's hard to make a case for any of these teams below the Bruins in the standing um, right now. It's, yeah. Yeah. Well, the numbers are they're just not good. I and mean, the teams I, aren't good. No. And, and the only team that in my opinion was a threat to the Bruins making the playoffs was Columbus because they were playing well. Um, you know, that's why I thought I was surprised to see the the Red Wings throw up such a dud. Uh, um, was it the second or the third of January against the Bruins? Because they went into that game, I want to say tied in points, but they had five or six more games played than the Bruins. So you play each other, so the games in hands didn't change, but then the Bruins took a two-point lead. That, to me, was Detroit's season. I mean, that that was crippling to them. Um, you know, Pittsburgh, they've established themselves. The Bruins are only getting better now. Um, they're starting to make up some games. So, yeah, unless the Islanders went on some huge run or the Blue Jackets, but that would also require the Bruins to come back down to earth um, even worse than that, actually. And they have so many games in hand on other teams um, I'm not worried about the Bruins making the playoffs either. 
And um, and that's why if you're going to go to the dance, well, you might as well put on your best suit or your best dress because you got to give yourself a chance to win a cup. Otherwise, it's a wasted opportunity. So the Bruins' best chance to win a cup is to try to get those extra pieces that they need. And how do you get them? Well, unless Don Sweeney is a part-time magician, it's tough to really see what Rabbi's going to pull out of the hat. And that's why I brought up the whole Swayman potential thing. And we'll see what happens in a, a few months. It'll be a very interesting deadline. Well, yeah, and, you know, I guess the, it, there are always trades to be made, and I would bet just about everything I have that the Bruins will make at least one trade to add, you know, an every-night player. Um, and you can do that without going, like, all in in terms of giving up first-round picks or top prospects. Like, I wouldn't expect them to repeat last year's deadline, but – they meaningfully improved their team at last year's deadline without giving up a first round pick or a top prospect. You know, they get Hall, Lazar and Riley for Bjork, a second and a third. Now the Hall situation was obviously unique where he had a full no move clause and basically told Buffalo, you're, you're trading me to Boston. Like, you know, he pretty much narrowed it down and made the decision for them. Um, so you're not going to be able to do that again unless there's someone else out there who is in love with the idea of playing with the Bruins and wants to do that. Um, but, you know, you can you can make meaningful upgrades and maybe it's, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's only one first-round pick you have to give up. And I think you don't want to do that because, obviously, as we've discussed, the Bruins' prospect pool is shallow enough already as it is. But if if you're in win now mode, like if you're actually serious about trying to go for this and you think you have a shot, then that's what you got to do. Like there's there's just no way around it. Like you're gonna have to give up something of value, um, and you're not stacked with prospects where there might be other teams who say, well, you know, we don't want to give up this prospect, but maybe we have two others who are kind of like him who you know we can fall back on. Um, Bruins aren't really in that situation. Then, then you know, it's basically Fabian Lysel. I think has a lot of value. I think teams probably even value him at more than his draft position at this point. Um, but that's about it. Like, there's no one else who's who's a blue chip player. You know, like we talked about uh, Chikrin, and you know, the the report is that the Coyotes are looking for an Eichel like return, which. I don't think they're going to get, but they can say that now because they don't have to trade him now. Like there's no pressure for them to trade him before this trade deadline. He's still signed through 2025. Um, but like, you know, outside of Lysel, like you don't have a Peyton Krebs who is the prospect that Vegas traded to Buffalo who, um, you know, we saw play for Buffalo over the weekend. He's, he was a highly touted prospect who was also just about NHL ready. Um, like you, you don't have that player. You, there was a time where maybe you would have hoped it was Stanika, but as we've covered, he's not, you know, he's not really right there. He's also older than Peyton Krebs. So, um, if you're really going to make like a big swing, it's going to take probably at least a first round pick. And that's where, you know, if you're Don Sweeney, you've got to decide just, what exactly does win now mode mean? Like if you're, if you're actually going for it, then you've got to be willing to make that trade and accept that whenever Bergeron retires, like you said, Brian, like 
there's going to be a big step back anyway. So, you know, like you can't just get caught in no man's land where like, it's like, uh, we'll just kind of, you know, cruise in as the eighth seed and make no meaningful additions. Like, what does that accomplish? Where, where does that yeah. gets you nowhere? And, and that, that's part of the double-edged sword, though, that Brian's talking about. If you're going to be in the middle, if you're only going to be mediocre, you're going to be just outside the playoffs or just make the playoffs and never make uh, too much of a run, and you gave up that first-round pick, you know, it, like Brian said, if you really are going to tank and get someone good that you, in order to help turn your program around, you don't have that first-round pick anymore if you didn't, uh, if you threw it away and that that guy you got at the deadline didn't work out and he didn't make a run. You don't have that first round pick in 23 or maybe 24. But you know, if you if you go for it all because look, it's not like you, it's not like it's just Bergeron's window. Like when Bergeron goes, chances are like McAvoy's window's done for a little bit. Pashnak's window is done for a little bit cuz cuz none of those guys are winning without the center help. So it's not just like my point is if you go all in right now, that could be Lysel, that could be a first, whatever. Number one, you're not just maximizing your time with Bergeron, but also McAvoy and Pashnak. I know how young they are, but the future is not bright for this team. So you 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 help their window right now, their youthful window. Then okay, they either win a cup or they don't. Okay, so you win a cup. Hey, we got the hardware. Great. You don't win a cup? Well, shit, Brian. Now we have no more collateral. That's fine. That's fine. You're going to suck anyway. So now you, now you have a reason to not do well, and then eventually you will slowly build up those, those, those prospect pools again. It keeps coming back to me. It's like it's just not going to be a pretty, you know. Look, if you're a Boston Bruins fan from the year 2025 to like 2029, 2030, it might not just be very fun. And that's just the fact of the matter. But if you can, but if you can, and that's regardless. That's if they go for it or they don't go for it this year. Like their future is not bright, regardless. So you might as well just go for it. Because what again? What does Fabian Lysel help you in two years if there's no centers? You gonna pull them out of thin air? They don't have centers, right? And you know you can always, you know you can always find ways to to accumulate when that time comes. When you know if you do have to enter full rebuild mode. You can always find ways to start accumulating assets at that point, and it's not going to pay off immediately. But like, look what Arizona has done over the last year, and how many draft picks they've accrued. Now, they've assembled one of the worst NHL rosters I've ever seen in the process, but they don't care because winning right now is not their goal. Like they're building for the future, and they were in a situation where they didn't have first round picks because, or they had lost one um, through a penalty and didn't have like great prospects coming up and they just basically just started trading off pieces like they got a first with Darcy Kemper they got a first in the trade that sent Connor Garland and Oliver Ekman Larson to Vancouver uh and they just started trading away pieces and stockpiling and like you know I know Brian has brought up you know would you ever consider trading Marchand like yep at that time might come that that'll Tell you what, that'll get you a first round pick or two. Like Scott, you know. you, I, I was just gonna say, if if Bergeron if Bergeron leaves the Bruins, leaves the NHL in a year or two, right? You get a first round pick back right away by trading a thirty five year old Brad Marchand. What's the point of keeping him if your team can't win anymore? 
It's a hard decision. He's a fan favorite. I love him. He's a Bruins Hall of Famer when it's all said and done. But it's a business that you have to get. You have to part with assets to rebuild. When Bergeron goes, chances are you might as well sell high on Marchand at that point. It's 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 not it's 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 a business. It's not it's not about oh Brian doesn't. I love Marchand, but. There's going to be a point in time where the Bruins will have zero chance to win a cup in a in a given couple-year stretch. And that's just the fact of the matter. So what Scott's saying is true. You, you do have to start becoming that, that, that seller of assets and whatnot. But right now, as far as the conversation goes today, the window has not closed. They just need to, um, you know open the window a little bit more this year, and, and, and this, we're just talking about ways that they can do it. And I, I, as we're talking about it, I'm really starting to, to come to peace with the fact, you know what, if they have to give away Lysel in a first round and whatever to make that happen, you might as well, because Fabian Lysel, Charlie McAvoy, David Pashnak, all on this team in three years, it doesn't matter without the center health. And the center health, unless it comes out of thin air, it won't be there. It's just not the way that they're positioned in the draft. It's not the way they're positioned with prospects. So that's the that's the sad fact. I'm sorry for being depressing. I honestly need to see like Bridget's uh, puppy again on <laughs> Melbourne on the screen to, to to booster my mood. But I had to mute my mic because he's just been barking. <laughs> I had to mute it. He's like over here just barking. Yeah. But the current Bruins, they they have hope, right? We're, 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 we we have a tendency of going off on tangents here, but we haven't spoken in a while, so uh, that's the way that it goes sometimes. You guys good? Yeah, I think so. All right, that'll wrap it up for episode 75. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.